You're listening to Misty Radio on WMBR Cambridge 88.1 FM, a show that connects MIT to the world. I'm your host, Sanaya Sampson-Hill. Climate change is obviously a global issue, and there are organizations, companies, and cities trying to mitigate it through decarbonization, the process of reducing the reliance on fossil fuels and achieving a carbon-neutral society. The Germany-American Business Council, in partnership with the MIT Germany program at MISTI, hosted a panel discussion on alternative energy models for a low-carbon transition. The panel included Jens Müller-Belau, Energy Transition Manager at Shell Germany, MISTI sends students to Shell for internships, and Philipp Nicolas Otto, Market Research Manager at ENBW North America a Germany-based energy company. The discussion was moderated by Annette Wiedenbach, a past fellow of the Special Program for Urban and Regional Studies at the Department of Urban Studies and Planning at MIT. The panelists were asked questions like, what does it take to achieve a clean energy transition and how can energy companies help cities to become carbon neutral by 2030? So what do the panelists have to say about the future of energy technologies? Take a listen. Start off and, and in very few sentences say, what are the biggest challenges with regards to energy in cities? If you have to maybe name three biggest challenges. Spontaneously, I can come up with two. That's fine. <laughs> and, um, the third one. <laughs> yeah, you, you take the third one. No, the economy and specifically smart cities, they're going to need to be electrified, which, which means in the context of decarbonizing the economy, we're going to need to shift towards cleaner energy sources and use them to additionally power other sectors that have previously been you know mainly powered by fossil fuels and that means obviously going from centralized facilities uh, down to more decentralized but um it also means that you're not only doing you know doing that fuel switch but you're also providing that additional amount of clean energy um because the increase uh, in demand will you know it, through the electrification of buildings through the electrification of transportation there will be an increasing demand of electricity um and um uh, I, I i guess you know that providing that energy you can you can obviously do that um within the city limits with decentralized renewable energy sources um but you're also going to need a wider uh, mix like i said of of um I'll call it green base load technologies such as offshore wind. So it's, I think the the number one challenges is going to be um, obviously to to electrify the cities, but also getting that right mix. Um, the other thing that pops into my mind is, and I just touched on this in in, in the other point of electrifying uh, other sectors. Um, in Germany, and Jens, you will know this. In, in, in Germany, it's become kind of a buzzword, you know, sektorkopplung or sector coupling. Everybody's talking about that in Europe, and uh, and and. And for those of you who haven't heard this term before, and I'm not sure how, how often it's used in the U.S., but the idea behind it is to de- decarbonize the economy by converting energy, uh, converging, converging the, the, the energy supply as completely as possible uh, to clean electricity. And, um, and I, I know, you know, Jens, you'll, you'll probably have a lot more to say on this, but I, I, I think this won't be possible. We can agree on that. This won't be possible in all industries and in all areas and segments of the economy. And that's where, for example, probably hydrogen will have to come into play um, as a, a puzzle piece in, in the energy transition. But Maybe. I, I think looking at it from the energy perspective, really just uh, final thought on this, looking at the energy perspective at its core, I think the, the, the concept of smart cities is always to a large extent about sector coupling and and 
so finding that you know that, that using that that synergistic interaction between the sectors of electricity transport and also heating right. and just maybe sorry and and Aneta just uh and and also finding the the right way of communication and exchange of of information between those sectors and i think that's that basically sums up uh the the, the second challenge and i think that goes back to what what jens said earlier about collaboration uh, jens yeah. do you want to comment on that yeah, I, I possibly take a uh, take a, a brutal, honest look at w what I see, huh? and and um, building on Philip's point, infrastructure is, is is super important in the moment in Germany. One of the biggest challenges is how you get the renewable energy to the place where you need it, and that is the same in the city. And I give you I give you an example when when we talk to the city developers in Hamburg. One of their biggest concerns is they don't have enough construction companies to really actually put the cables down uh, onto the road. And then the other element I would, I would as well highlight, and it's not necessarily a big challenge, but it's something where you have to work with the community. Because if your road is blocked for six months and you can't use it properly because there's construction, um, so they're very very simple elements which I would categorize, uh, as I said earlier, in the consumer and customer acceptance of that change. Huh? Because mm -hmm. we have to be honest, we t you talked about the energy prices that happened in Houston. And at least in Germany, the, the, the discussion around a cost of electricity becomes a little hotter. And it is it is a reality that decarbonization will, will cost society money uh, and 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 i think that's a that's really a, a short-term challenge at least in germany to convoy that message but as well to get people and rally behind the fact that we have to do this huh? we, we have to decarbonize uh, to really combat uh, the climate change so uh, a few additions which are possibly closer to um to what happens now but let me highlight one element i fully agree with philip digitalization and and the use of it and the customer acceptance around it, it sounds so simple but the reality is um it is not that simple right um we have all the things on powerpoint slides but to implement this in the real world is is really one of the things we have to collaborate and work on right yeah i i, I think i think you're right there's always uh, change always brings uh brings resistance as well and you have to communicate that very well and you have to kind of like explain the uh, the what's in it for me um, although basically saying um, not having an energy bill energy bill of 5000 US dollars is a good argument for for making sure um, renewable or any other um, models are affordable um, and and get to you through a working grid um, when you talk about technology, uh, digital, um, or as well as clean tech, um, you've hinted at some of it, you say um, it, it needs to be put on the ground. I admit it's gonna be very expensive. Uh, financing is always an issue, but do you wanna delve a little bit into what technologies and digital, digital and clean tech are ex actually existing at the moment or what is on the, uh, in the blueprint stage that can be implemented soon? Um, in order to help uh, cities decarbonize or cities uh, in a um, lower carbon transition. What, Philip, I think you had some, some examples on your slide uh, with the Innovation Hub. Um, maybe you want to refer to sure. that. 
Sure, maybe I can I can start on that. Um, so I, I think I touched on a couple of technologies already, uh, and I guess, and this is me go, going back to Steckhoff. This is such a great example since we are focused today in this in this panel discussion on on, on the topic of smart cities. But I mean, just looking at that example is what we've learned out of this process is. Uh, and, and this is just putting, you know, energy efficient buildings aside and, and, and where should the charging stations be, but really focused on energy and what 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 the residents in the neighborhood wants is really to first, obviously, to listen and engage with the locals and see, you know, what what works for them. And um, in, in, in most cases, and this is me coming back to specifically now, Stuttgart, is in most cases, you'll see that the communities, the district, the, the, the residents there, they want to be you know, or the smart cities themselves, they want to be a clean energy provider. Uh, they want to have, um, you know, a part of it, and which usually will then just mean maybe, you know, looking at the city, maybe a solar panel up on the roof. Um, but I mean, that's been, that's been around for a while. And I think w what's interesting, what's going on right, right now with the development that we're experiencing as, as uh, renewable developers and just looking at the output that we've received from uh, this, this, uh, startup, this innovation uh, lab that we've had in our cooperation also with, with other um, startups is that um, the digitalization is just brad you know, adding new um, applications and new ways also to optimize uh, the consumers and to even, you know, to, to increase their self-sufficiency of the, of, of the buildings. Um, just one example is to be a little bit more concrete here is that um, we, for example, offer um solar modules and combine them with, with battery storage. And then um, using like real time data, just, you know, on the basis of the software, uh, real time data from the wholesale market. Um, we have uh, a tool for the consumer where uh, AI basically decides for the consumer to sell, consume or store the energy. And this is all based on algorithmic support. So we try and use new digital innovative solutions um, to on the one hand, out of our perspective, become the energy manager for the city and its residents, but you know, to empower the, the residents to play an active role in the whole thing. And um, from maybe one last thought in, in terms of um, the, also the collaboration with other companies, because we notice also that um, we need to, as, as Jens pointed out, we need to collaborate also with, with the brains out there in the market, with, with uh, local partners, local smaller businesses. So EMBW, for example, just recently initiated a scholarship program for startups and for small business in the energy transition, where we, we aim to support these businesses financially, um, also with you know, energy uh, expertise uh, to help launch and scale their business ideas. Um, and interestingly, and that's why it fits today also, is the prerequisite uh, for funding is that the business ideas are in the field of mobility, smart home, or even smart cities. There, there are first questions coming in with regards to financing and funding and R&I. We'll come back to them a little bit later, but I would ask the same question on technology um, to Jens, but I would like to um, add one element to it, uh, Jens, we were talking about green hydrogen um, and green electrons, um, which is probably hard to understand for most people. Um, hydrogen has been around for a long time. Um, it has never really surged, but it's out there now as green as green hydrogen. So what has changed in, in terms of like, has the technology changed? Uh, and what does, what does, what is actually green hydrogen versus uh, blue hydrogen or red hydrogen or Right, hydrogen. Uh, maybe you can add that also to the question of what technologies uh, you, you you have to offer. 
Yeah. No, happy to do that. But just building, um, and possibly I'm sounding like a broken record, but I mean, when we when we think about city solutions, huh, um, I fully agree with Philip. It is about the 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 person that lives there, right? And there is a there, there needs to be a fine line between what is the local government more or less enforcing versus what the customer um, is is accepting and. We more or less have similar technologies, bought a company called Zonen, largest uh, battery uh, storage, uh, home storage provider uh, in Germany. So similar smart technologies. And, and I think the next step really is how you connect your building with mobility, right? So um, you, in theory, the car can become a storage um, uh, battery, which with the right technology you can, you can play with. And I think Philip, highlighted on that already so the consumer is on control um, or at least feels in control the benefit of, for the society there is that you can really work with with storage no? uh, which leads me to hydrogen um, I, I think most of uh, the, the, the friends on the call uh, we, we have electrons but electrons can't be stored for a very long time yeah, it's it's like your smartphone battery. I mean, you don't use it and it's empty. Yeah, and the older it is, the the quicker it actually gets. Um, the 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 energy is depleting. Um, we don't know where the whether the battery technology is in ten years or in twenty. Um, however, today, if you store electricity in chemical form, the first molecule is hydrogen, and that's what is called green hydrogen. So you are using hydrogen as a storage element. And our philosophy is if you if you produce hydrogen, then look for an application where it can be directly used huh? um, so that you don't back convert it into power and then use it as power. Um, but but that is we will see right. But it is a storage medium where you can store uh, renewable power for a very long time. You can use the gas grid. You can use lots of things, which makes that molecule very interesting. As you said, it's not a new molecule. I mean, as a refinery, um, we produce a lot of hydrogen today. We need that to produce gasoline uh, fuels or diesel fuels, and we produce this from natural gas. Uh, and and the first the first application really is um, for us as well. That's we, why we invest into the, uh, electrolysis capacity in our own refinery, uh, where we will start the first and at that time the largest PEM electrolysis in the world in Rhineland, which is then to feed our own demand in the refinery to not produce grey hydrogen from natural gas, but use green hydrogen. So um, it's it's these are real examples where we can replace current gray with, with green. Your question blue, blue is in principle, you produce hydrogen from natural gas, which then produces CO2 and you take the CO2 and you store it, which is in Germany, highly political, um, uh, highly political. However, in the US, um, we have uh, projects there where we, we, we start um, testing that. We ourselves run um, uh, uh, carbon capture and storage facility in Canada since I think about 10 years. So there are technologies and that would be blue hydrogen. And I think you called it red. I hear red and yellow in principle is you produce hydrogen um, through electrolysis but using nuclear power. 
Yeah. Um, you, I think you call it red. I think I heard yellow. I always mix it up. It doesn't matter. It's nuclear electrons converted through electrolysis into, into hydrogen. I was so, just thinking a color. Yeah, a color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but one, one comment possibly, but reality is if we, if we, if we think hydrogen is long term, the second energy vector next to renewable power at the early phases of where we are now a little bit of color blindness is not too bad huh? because you need critical mass and it will not come easily from from renewable power at this stage so to, con to get to critical mass to for example convert uh, natural gas pipelines for long-term uh, storage or transport um, you, you, you need to be open-minded with a clear long-term ambition that this will become green huh? Right. Um, I'm looking through some of the questions that are already coming in, and it's great to have all these questions, and, and please keep them coming. Um, I'm, I'm trying to summarize uh, here some. Uh, there's one question with regards to um, the um, problems in Texas were actually not uh, caused by the uh, power generation, but by not have the systems not being winterized. Um, and there's another question with regards to uh, what you just said, Jens, uh, with regards to um, hydrogen as a storage, uh, whether interconnectors um, are a better option instead of converting to other forms of energy. The uh, question for me is a little bit, we have all different kinds of like technologies. We've got renewable energy, we've got offshore wind, onshore wind, we've got solar, we've got community solar. We have green hydrogen or gray hydrogen. Uh, we have grids um, that need to transport um, all, the, um, all the energy. We have infrastructure for um, cars, for mobility, etc. All these need to be integrated. Um, and I would like to um, get your perspective on how can you integrate all these different kinds of energy generation and distribution related uh, elements into, into, into one system that actually works and would also ultimately help uh, provide Texas uh, have a better winterized system. I, who wants to start, Philip or, or Jens? I can I can give it a start, huh? but but I'm I'm definitely not the right person to ask for advice how Texas uh, can can improve their their infrastructure. I can share my personal observations while living there for seven years, but that would might take a might take a while. But I mean, ultimately, and I look through this um, through the German lens, huh? um, we. The, the energy transition in Germany might have started more as a power transition than anything else. And what I mean by that, there was a lot of effort and a lot of successful effort. And I think uh, Philip just highlighted some of the breakthrough activities that EMBV did. Um, but it was very much focusing to change from the existing power to renewables. And I think last year and possibly Corona helped a little bit, but we actually made for the power energy system more than 50% of renewables. That does not mean that the energy system is 50% renewable because the energy system, and um, I could have brought the slide for Germany, but is much more complex, much more dependent on um, oil and gas. Huh? And the entire, and in, in the past, um, I think the individual 
sectors, if you will, or the individual energy um, vectors have been feeding specific customer needs. And now the, the big magic will be your question. And I, I don't think we have, a, we, we have all this figured out. But ultimately, um, it's clear that not everything can be electrified. Yeah? And as a consequence of that, what are the next best energy carriers in the long term? And there's lots of discussion. Hydrogen, you can convert it further to synthetic gas. So you have a methane, which is the same molecule, but it's derived from, um, from renewable power. Is that better than hydrogen? So I think in the moment, my view is um, as a society or as an industry and together with government partners, we try to figure that out. And it might look very different in one country or in one city compared to the other. And I think that's where possibly excitement is where it comes from, um, because I don't think that that book has been finally written. There's one thought I want to leave everybody with, and and that's my my personal belief that, and I take a hundred year as a timeline. Yeah, and I do this intentionally. But in a hundred years, the, the only primary energy carrier is renewable power, and that will be converted into others uh, based on the application and needs. But I use hundred years to make everybody clear that is is a long time. It might be quicker, but um, the 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 hundred years of fossil and hundred, I mean coal even longer, but. This is not just a chapter that you write and in 10 years you're done with that, with that job. Although we have to decarbonize, I think, by 2050 to save the planet. I saw Philip uh, nodding his head. So, um, Philip, what is your point of view? I think I nodded also at the point that I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself an expert of, of Texas, but... Um, <laughs> um, I think since there were a couple of comparisons here also to, to Germany, um, is that I, 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 first of all, maybe starting with that one, I agree with the statement that came also from, from one of um, uh, our friends joining in, in, in the chat today is that it wasn't a generation problem, but the, the system itself or the, the facilities weren't winterized. I mean, it's not like renewables in, I mean, we have renewables in, in the colder parts of Europe, uh, in Scandinavia and, and uh, yes, obviously they, it is a challenge, but um, I mean these these facilities have been winterized, so I wouldn't call that a problem of renewable generation. Um, uh, getting back to Germany, though, uh, just briefly, what Jens had also touched on is is I think um, it's uh, you also have to look at where where you're coming from. Germany is a very densely populated area, very high industrial output. Uh, the grid has always been really geared towards resilience um, and and. I, I think uh, the last, you know, the 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 amount of outages that you've had in in average in Germany are usually about 15, 15 minutes uh, in a year. Uh, so you're coming from a different situation. You're coming from a different infrastructure. Um, I think where we're moving right now, and this is as we also move into you know more renewables and and getting that different mix of generation, is that you're starting to look also as to new innovative ways of storing this energy, which is obviously something that you know, is the big challenge and has always been a big challenge of the electricity market, but also looking at um, uh, different ways of, of uh, for example, using uh, digitalization uh, to optimize certain processes. Uh, this is what I was just getting at more on the, 
more, you know, residential level of, of um, smart cities where I referred to um, combining um, artificial, artificial intelligence uh, software with, with battery storage and uh, solar uh, panels. Um, so it, it, again, I think um, we're, we're shifting away from, at least it's my, my belief, my perspective, we're, we're shifting away from this solely, you know, it's all about the grid um, and we need to keep on building this, you know, the physical infrastructure moving into this combination of also using an intelligent uh, collaboration between the physical infrastructure that definitely will be needed, especially as we look at hydrogen, uh, we're going to need to build, uh, you know, more uh, hydrogen infrastructure as well, but also in combination with new digital uh, ideas that can optimize these uh, services and, and, and these facilities. Right. Maybe just um, one one thing um, in the integration. Uh, you talked about decentralization, uh, decentralized power systems. Um, how, how does community solar, for example, um, come in? We talked about hydrogen, wind. Those are like big, bulky projects. But how, how does like community solar, for example, come into um, the the overall mix? And how is there a chance that could help with a more just energy transition? Um, getting back to what I said earlier, um, I, I think a big part of, of a just transition is giving communities the opportunity to to participate in, in the energy transition, to be a part of it. Um, and the best example is, you know, the resident um, or the community that says, I want to generate my own power. I want to play an active role in this energy transition. And, and this implies uh, creating a clean energy uh, economy or opportunity that works for all, you know, putting Uh, I think Jens touched on this as well, you know, putting inclusion, diversity at the heart of operations and project development. Uh, it starts with listening to what this, the, the community wants. Um, and, and then you're really quickly also at, um, when you're looking at these topics, you're, you're, you, you quickly touch on, on community solar, which is a great way of giving consumers um, or communities that don't have the money to invest in, in a solar panel um, for their own roof or don't even have a suitable roof for a solar panel. Um, or, you know, are, are renting a house or an apartment uh, and just don't have the, the opportunity of, of putting a solar panel in, uh, on the roof, you, you give these consumers a chance to be a part of this energy transition. And uh, for me, this was kind of a new concept. So for all of you also in the call, uh, especially coming, you know, dialing in from outside of uh, the U.S., uh, just as a background, um, Community solar is a, is a kind of a model where um, local solar facilities are shared by multiple community subscribers who receive credits on their electricity bills uh, for their share of power produced. Um, and so, yes, I think it's definitely a, a, a form of, of just transition. And we as MBW, uh, and I think, you know, any, any utility uh, can come into mind or, you know, it could be a potential developer of, of such a project. Okay. Hey. Um, thank you. Um, I have some more questions, and there's some more um, audience questions, and we only have a limited time uh, amount of time. Time flies. Um, maybe, maybe um, can we go quickly into the question of um, the scope one, two, three emissions, um, and how new energy models can actually help uh, with again with cities also reducing their, say, scope three emissions in, in production uh, or in, in, in the products. Um, I mentioned logistics before. Uh, how, how could kind of like what you do 
influence also logistics emissions or influence uh, production emissions? Do you want to quickly uh, comment on that? Well, it's, it's, I mean, it, start, it can start now, right? So, um, yeah, you could switch to um, products that are more um, based on, for example, biological feedstocks. Huh? So, you mentioned logistics. So there are products that, that we offer that others offer where you do have a carbon footprint reduction of uh, up to 20% now. You can use it in any diesel truck. Huh? Um, then there's a next step, which is then it needs a different drive trainer. And, and um, in, in, the, in the absence of large um, commercially available, for example, hydrogen trucks, which will come in the next five years or so, um, you can you can switch to natural gas. And I know on the East Coast, um, big topic, right? CNG, um, LNG for the long haul, but that already gives a contribution to the um, to the um, logistical um, carbon footprint reduction. And then ultimately, and and we see this all over the world. Um, you, you either switch to, to battery electric uh, or to hydrogen um, uh, transportation, uh, which then with the with with the, with the green electrons will be will be completely uh, carbon neutral. But I think the key is, in my opinion, um, we can't wait for the perfect solution. We need to start now and and use the commercially available opportunities now to move in that direction. Misty Radio is a production of MIT International Science and Technology Initiatives. You can listen to us on WMBR Cambridge 88.1 FM or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.